BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome to the show. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Grow Generation, where the pros go to grow. More on them in a bit. How's it going, everybody? Good. Good. Good to hear it. Good to hear it. Well, welcome to the Daily Cup of Genre. It's LRM's Genreverse Podcast Network's premier daily podcast video. It's it is what it is. It's the Cup of Genre. It's it's everything. Everything. And and the great thing about it is is you got uh, Manny here on the show with these amazing uh, connections to all these these great uh, uh, creators, creatives, and uh, I like I. I Asked him, dude, when are you gonna finally bring someone on onto the show? And he's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting on, I'm waiting on the one, I'm waiting on the one, one. And today, we don't have just one; we've got multiple the one ones. So Manny, thank you so much for fi- finally doing your jo- job. Now I'm joking. It's great. <laughs> uh, introduce us to the wonderful guests that you've brought to us today. Oh well, no, yeah, don't thank me. Actually, thank uh, Sharon Amir and uh, Nina Herb for thank uh, you, their ladies. time today. Uh, they they have recently done some outstanding work on a very very good film called Lupe. Um, ladies, uh, do do you guys want to tell us a little bit about it? Well, uh, I think we're here representing two different things. So one of them is Lupe, which is the film that I cut, and I'll let Nina uh, present her series, which was excellent. I saw it yesterday. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm here to talk about Generation, um, a new half-hour comedy about Gen Z um, kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, specifically, I believe the episode, I, I like the title, Discovery. <laughs> yes, Discovery. Uh, very, 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 very fun to tr- try to say when, when you do have a, a study yourself, but uh, uh, very, very fun title. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Do you ladies want to tell us uh, well, one by one a little exactly what your job pertains to with each of these uh, films? Well, um, I was the editor and it was a very tricky and uh, unique editing process because these are first time directors and they very loosely wrote a script and then shot it very improv docu style because they wanted to portray uh, genuine 
um, feelings and emotions of uh, the transgender community and wanted to let those moments um, feel lived in and real. So that meant a lot of docu-style shooting and exploring and improv and basically a pile of footage that I was given later and said to make it work. <laughs> um, wow. So it wasn't the traditional scripted drama feature experience, but it resulted in a wonderful scripted drama or in a wonderful narrative dramatic film that I'm very proud of. I have got to, uh, hearing it, put that that way in, in the context of what what you were given is quite Im impressive uh i started doing a show here just a list show and i i winged it right and wrong a answer because trying to go through my my videos on winging it and finding good good cuts and good good takes that is bravo to do that for an entire entire project way to go <laughs> what was what was the um what was kind of like what you went went with uh i'm trying to trying to find the word uh the certain tone or 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 what was it that you you hooked onto that kind of gave you what to what to find through through all those cuts through all those those different takes on on each scene well thank you first for your very kind words um the <laughs> The well, the the co-directors attempted to make an assembly themselves first, and the, I saw that, and basically I saw that all the puzzle pieces were there, just not really in the right configuration. Um, so then I I saw that I put it aside, and then I recut the movie from scratch, keeping in mind the issues that I saw while watching the first time, which was making sure that there's a cohesive arc to all these unscripted scenes that are not, they don't just seem random, yeah. but that they actually build and tell a story and have a satisfying ending and that, you know, a beginning and everything that ties mm. together. And, uh, you know, being true to the journey of someone who is discovering their inner femininity and coming to terms with what that means and grappling with, do they compromise their, you know, love of martial arts to be a woman? What is a woman to them? Mm -hmm. And um, kind of really finding what is the movie about? And I discovered that the movie is about her self-discovery. She's searching for her sister, but really she's also searching for herself. And uh, the movie was not called Lupe in the beginning. It was called something else that kind of became irrelevant as we discovered the movie. And um, I decided, well, I co-decided with the co-directors. We decided to name the movie Lupe, which is her chosen name. That just felt natural with the theme of the movie and what we mm -hmm. discovered the, the heart of it to be. Great. Outstanding. That's, that's really cool. Cool to hear. Tina, tell Thank us you. a little bit about what uh, you're doing over at Generations because, well, both projects actually are, are up for considerations for Emmy. So congratulations on that. Yes, indeed. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, I uh, I finished Generation um, back in January, actually. Um, I was one of the editors and, um, you know, Generation was created by a 17-year-old girl named Zoe Barnes who didn't see herself or her family reflected or her friends reflected really um, on TV. And so um, with the help of her two dads, they kind of wrote the pilot. Um, and the story that I was given was that the dads thought this will be a really good lesson to teach her some grit. You know, she'll go pitch, she'll fail, she'll learn <laughs> grit. Well, she pitched, they loved it, they bought it, made a pilot. <laughs> pilot got picked up and we had the series. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so because this was authored by a teenager, um, you know, it was really important to stay authentic to that voice and, but also to kind of feel grounded and, you know, everything that went into the series was about perspective, their perspective and always being with them. And so it, that, you know, went from like the writing to the editing, to the cinematography, down to the sound and the music. So the camera was never in the same place at the same time. You know, there's no two takes that are the same. Yeah. It's always moving around. Um, and so that was quite a challenge. Uh, 
to begin with, because, you know, having edited for so long, I'm always like, no, but that's such a great line and it's not on camera, <laughs> but that's okay because, you know, sometimes teenagers will miss something because they're still trying to figure it out. So that was, you know, kind of the reasoning behind that. So, so there are going to be times where you're just, you're like, wait, I just heard something off camera. What was that? There's like these little nuggets that you kind of find when you watch a show. And, um, you know, it, and it's, it's interesting because I've never used um, music in this way. I've, you know, Insecure was another show, show that I work on. Tons of music. Um, and, uh, you know, same thing for Generation, but the music is, again, to kind of like put you in the kids' perspective. You know, it's always source. It's never just use a score. Um, you know, we don't have that comedic score to tell you, hey, you should laugh now. You know, it's always just like, okay, this is what they're listening to. And sometimes you may not know that it's going to be source uh, until you see, you know, Chester walking around with earbuds and you're like, oh, it's coming from there. So there's like little things like that. Um, and, you know, being that they didn't really, well, there are no 17 year old editors to hire in the union. <laughs> so all of us were very, very conscious of, um, you know, making sure that we're approaching dailies um, without kind of projecting our own emotions and judgment onto it. Um, you know, because it, it's not about judging their life. It's, it's more about like understanding what they're going through, the confusion, the awkwardness, you know, the stubbornness, um, all of that. So, so that's kind of all the different elements that went into, I guess, making sure the series is, you know, feels authentic to the teenage boys. That's, that's really, uh, good to hear. Um, I, I was in, in the mil military, um, for, uh, and one of the big things that we constantly get get re reminded as we're we're coming up is your your subordinates they're they're not from your your age age group all all the time and you've got to learn how to how to communicate not just with them like like to them but communicate with them as in in with with them and it's it's a it's not an easy, easy th thing to learn the older you get. So it's really cool that uh, you get opportunities like this, that that kids, legit kids are get, getting opportunities to make things like this and push some of us to to our limits. So uh, again, <laughs> bravo to you on, on a, another very, very interesting uh, uh, editing job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I think I think what I like about both of these projects, Generation and Lupe, is that you you're both bringing to light certain groups that are very underrepresented. Over over at Lupe, we're talking about uh, somebody who's really trying to find themselves and who they are, but is also an immigrant and is also dealing with a, a, a plethora of different problems that uh, we all go through as well. And then over on Generations, it's even though we've been through it ourselves because times change we can't necessarily understand that generation before us and so uh, so shows like this really give the opportunity to give the voice to to people that sometimes feel voiceless don't don't feel heard which is what you know you're saying that what uh, uh they were going for and i think i think that's great uh, do you want to talk about uh working on projects like that um yeah, uh, well, I mean, being an immigrant, um, I never really feel like I belong here. Um, and I have realized that, you know, I think the first time we went back home, which is Taiwan, I realized I didn't really belong there either because my relatives were like, you're so Americanized now. Like, ah, oh, you got to come back more often because, you know, next time you come back, we're not going to read a blonde hair, blue eyes. And, and I remember thinking, <laughs> like, I don't feel that. I'm, okay, all right. Um, and so that was the first time I became very aware that uh, my Americanization or my attempt to assimilate into this this country kind of not ostracized me, but just just kind of maybe not fit in where you know where I came from. And so that was an interesting uh, observation. And, and I also don't fully feel like I belong here either. So you're kind of straddling these both worlds. And so. I guess naturally I just gravitate towards shows that are always about people who may not belong. Um, and Generation I think is probably the, the one that uh, it really encompasses that because it represents, you know, 
the LGBTQ community. It, it has people of color and the entire cast. And I mean, it really is all about people that have been marginalized and don't have a voice and giving them a platform and, and making sure that their stories are heard. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, so it's same with, you know, Insecure, Crazy X, Little America, <laughs> which is all about immigrants. But uh, but yeah, and, um, and I think that's what I love about Tehran's uh, movie as well. It's definitely, you know, giving such a, you know, well-deserved um, story, like to see the light of that. Um, yes, please. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I, I'm kind of a half immigrant. So I was born in New York, but when I was eight, uh, my Israeli parents moved us back to Israel. So I was in Israel from eight to 21, um, had to serve in the Air Force mandatory service. I was an editor for the Air Force. Um, and when I, and I returned to LA or I came to LA at 21 and kind of ended up feeling a lot like you, Nina, where I kind of half fit in each culture. The Israelis think I'm too American. The Americans think I'm Israeli uh, and, you know, don't feel like I'm fully one thing or another. Um, and, and, and I agree. It makes it me, it makes it so much more compelling to cut, um, characters who experience that. And I feel the most, the strongest edits that we as editors make are when we're fully uh, understanding the characters that we're editing. Um, so so that's, that's my uh, perspective on that. And I really love Lupe for all the messages we talked about of empowering the transgender community. The, the reason it came about was because uh, the co-director's friend, um, Lana, or Celia Harrison, who plays Lana in the movie, she, uh, they asked her what, what kind of transgender content are you not seeing that you wish you would see? And she was missed. She was like, I really want to see a badass transgender, not someone who's a side character or who's being the comedic or the villain or the, you know, victim, but the badass main character, main you know, main role. And, uh, and that's what they set out to do. And they uh, heavily involved her in the writing. And, and I love that because, uh, the, and there's a special quote in the movie uh, that Lana says to Lupe and she says, cause Lupe is asking, what do I do with my training, with my muscles? How, you know, I want to be a woman. Do I have to stop training? And she says, why can't you just be a badass woman fighter and kick all the asses? And, you know, I am so all about that. This is uh, expanding the concept of what it is to be a woman, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Indeed. Very, very in interesting to, to uh, connect uh, the, the dots with, with uh, your, your past editing um in in your mili military service, which I I know is is conscription, but still uh, a s service and a tough job. So, um, thank you for for uh, doing what you were ca called to do. Do I guess? Same to you, you sir. <laughs> thank you. And um, uh, but it I a lot a lot of people don't might not know Stan Lee did something similar for the U.S. military during the the world World War, and so that just clicked in, in my mind here i am talk, talking to someone else who who got to do their uh uh their job sort so to speak in in entertainment um in in their their service as well and that's just one of those cool like little small big world moments i guess <laughs> sorry it's just, true it yeah. doesn't occur to people that you could be an editor mm -hmm. and work on avid within the military or within the air force it's very very cool, and I I'm amazed to see so such uh uh very very uh unique stories and and I I guess I guess for for lack of a better phrase almost almost niche stories to to a degree because not that they're they only uh relate to a small small group but they are very focused stories and showing us things that we might see on a, on a daily basis, but not necessarily notice all of the, the little details that are go, going on in that 
person's life. You know, we uh, it is 2021 and and uh, the world is is uh, very diverse. So we run into the these crowds every day, but we don't get to see the the behind the scenes things uh, such as trying to figure out, you know, what do I do with this 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 physique and this this uh, uh, desire that doesn't quite mesh with what some think I I should be if I go down this route or, uh, you know, p- playing with hectic cameras. And, and wow, I'm, I'm kind of jealous of the work you, you, you guys got to do. <laughs> I think it's cool that we both we both worked on something with very dynamic cameras that are trying to capture, you know, realness. And it may not make our lives easier as editors, but it definitely contributes to a, a, a genuine feeling of being in the moment. Yeah. We, we don't often get opportunities like this to have great editors to talk to. So I got, I got to pick your brain a little. What is your process when you're looking through film and to, to pick and choose scenes? Because I, I can't imagine how hard that would be. <laughs> um, well, my process is I watch everything, like literally every every frame, even if it's like in between resets, I'm listening because yeah. there might be some direction that, um, you know, that the actors are being given that might influence the next performance. Um, and also, you know, sometimes when they're listening to the director, it's, it's kind of funny because I've stolen shots of actors who are just kind of like looking off screen and they're kind of like, okay, listening. And it's like, that ends up being like a hysterical reaction shot for a joke in case the actor actually doesn't react mm-hmm. in the moment. So um, so I'm always looking for nuggets everywhere. And, um, and I, I don't know about you, Sean, but uh, I, <laughs> I make a lot of different versions. Like I'll try like, okay, what would the scene look like if it's from, you know, Chester's perspective? What about if it's from Riley's perspective or if it's Molly's perspective or Issa's perspective? You know, so I, I, I try a lot of different versions and then the next day I come back and I look at it and I think, okay, there's always one that jumps out, you know, and really just when I'm judging performances, it's, it's what hits me in the gut, you know, mm. so. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I really agree with that sentiment. And um, it, it kind of depends on the show you're working on at the time. If it's like, a, you know, a large cast that you're, that you're, that there's an option of different perspectives. In my case, it was very much the one perspective. So, um, but but yeah, it's basically gut reaction, um, especially on the first viewing. So you really have to kind of pay attention to those initial reactions that when you see the footage for the first time, because you're not going to get that first reaction again. Um, and being very organized, I I mean, there's different theories of how to do this, but I like to start with long editing assemblies and then cut them down and cut them down. Some people like to start it tight and then make it breathe, make it breathe more. So, you know, there's very various philosophies. Interesting. Do, do, yeah, definitely. definitely. Do um, either of you have a, uh, a, um, high highest number of tries at a, at a project before you got it right. Do you, do you remember by chance just out of, morbid curiosity i would get guess <laughs> <laughs> i do it's um it was actually not on generation um even though the cameras are everywhere <laughs> um it was on um it was on little america the episode was called the silence and it's uh exactly like as you would think it would be the entire episode silent mm-hmm. um and because of that you know you really could shift everything anywhere because there's no dialogue, you know, constricting you to a certain um, cadence or pattern or, you know, a story arc. I mean, there was still a story arc, but it was much more malleable. Um, And yeah, I I remember one night, I think I came up with, I don't know, 10 versions um, and worked with them pretty late and my poor assistant had to output that after (laughs) for the director. Um, And that was just one night. We did this a lot. And I think, I think I counted it was like upwards of 50 or 60 versions. Wow. At the end. Yeah. Um, um, and 
I mean, the, the, the end result was very different from what was scripted. So um, I, I think we did okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a very, very spe- special circumstance. I, I can imagine pe- people having um, like a lot of takes on those like uh, single shot moments that are like three, four, five, five minutes long and having to sift through all of that for the perfect take so uh sharon do do you have a memorable project that that maybe took one one more than you wanted (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i i don't know if i count it as ones or because you know there's every you know this in a piece like this it's made out of scenes and made out of moments so you might have a version that's everything's the same except this one moment changed or you know so um in most of my projects have been under tight schedules. So you can't really, you don't really have the luxury for a lot of versions, but actually Lupe was two years in the making in post because um, indie film and, you know, labor of love. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, there was pay, but you know, we all went above and beyond to make this the best film it could. So there were a lot of revisions and because of the improv and because there's four different storylines that can be kind of blended, incorporated in different ways, you know, there was a lot of what if we do this and what if we move this here? And every time you move a scene, it brings a whole new meaning to the overall. And so, you know, that breeds endless versions basically. Um, So over the course of two years on and off, there were many versions. So one, 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 one million out- outcomes, and how how many did you you win? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like crazy. Like you yeah. know, a movie could have lived in one way for like half a year, yeah. and then suddenly I change one scene, and it just changed the whole meaning of things. That's so cool. Manny, how do you how do you how do you handle ad- adversity adversity within? having to deal with you i mean you have producers you also have directors sometimes you have studios and i'm, I'm sure there's bound to be disagreements and, and how, how do you approach moments like that nina <laughs> <laughs> um you know i i try to be switzerland um i've uh, had projects where um like little america had like nine executive producers that's quite a bit and that's before you even get to the studio level so um, you know, and it was great because, uh, I mean, it was interesting because they all had very disparate opinions, but it was great because they all wanted to discuss it. So it, you know, it wasn't hard getting, you know, the, a few of them in the room to kind of discuss like, okay, well, your note here, I get where you're going for, but it's contradiction this one. So what are we, what's like, what's really the, the issue, you know, like trying to get to like, what's really bumping them. And sometimes it's not even what they're noting it's something like way before that wasn't set up right. And so it was great. I, and I lucked out in that case that they uh, were open to discussing that. Yeah. Um, and then other times, you know, I just, when they disagree, I kind of just let them figure it out. And <laughs> there was one show where I brought in a little um, dry erase board. I had all the producers' names on them. And I did this little grid and they're like, what's that for? I'm like, well, you know, when you guys disagree, you, you fight it out. And the person that wins that note gets a little chip mark. And at the end of the season, the one with the most gets a candy bar. And they were so <laughs> into it. They were like, so into it. <laughs> so that was kind of how I've managed to, to survive. <laughs> so it's pretty creative. Yeah, de- de- definitely. It's, it's better than Nerf guns, right? <laughs> <laughs> um. I really agree with with that mentality of, um, you know, trying to let all the voices speak their piece and let them uh, figure it out. There's also uh, what Nina mentioned is the note behind the note is they might they might mention something, but it's really something else. And thinking of something creative that might, might be like a third thing that none of them thought of as the solution, like it's it's very common for them to actually propose a solution instead of telling us the problem. Mm-hmm. And so their solution might not be the actual correct solution we should do, but it gives us an indication of the problem. And then if they disagree on the solution, we can just propose a different solution to the same problem. Yeah. Um, 
and you know the, that whole I kind of love that collaboration if everyone's jiving together because it 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 um, leads to a lot of creativity and and discovery together of a, like another new path and uh, so when that works it's pretty fun <laughs> but yeah when when we've exhausted all avenues they have to just hash it out <laughs> this is a, a um every every now and then a a good verbal uh round in the ring is is needed and can can solve some things as as long as as long as the professionalism can re remain um overall i think notes really make things better mm. you know like you know once you include more than one perspective in the editing room mm -hmm. then it makes the overall thing stronger uh, outstanding manny did you have any any other uh questions in, in mind i'm i'm t t tapped out. i got to ask the 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 follow-ups that totally took place of the boring stuff i i had so <laughs> <laughs> no actually we're uh we're approaching the 30 minute mark so I, I you know i think what's left is to uh thank you both sharon nina for your time thank you congratulations on your emmy considerations Best uh, of luck. and thank you for having us no, oh th thank you for no, thank coming thank you yeah yeah we you know just some some of the answers we get we may be a little bit more careful when we when we are so judgy sometimes on our morning show about certain shows and movies <laughs> oh, you really yeah. don't know Wait, what the editor what? has to deal with yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I have ne never judged anything harshly <laughs> by ju just a, a single trailer come on now <laughs> no <laughs> none yeah. of us none of us have not at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but talking with 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 you ladies obviously is a different perspective that we don't get to see uh, often, and it just appreciates some of those names that that you don't necessarily see on the big on the billboard or on the poster, and, and you know it's where the real work happens, and you put it all together to to make outstanding scenes. So it thank is, you so much. It so has much. been a great great uh, pleasure having you guys on the Daily Cog as we like to call it. Um, um, I had this whole thing where I was going to, I still want to, where we're all like the, the cogs in the machine driving the, the, the entertainment industry. We all have our, our parts, the, the creatives, the behind the scenes, the consumers and stuff. But my, my imagination will ca catch up with my, my body one day or opposite. But yes, uh, Lupe Generation, uh, I still love that t title. Discovery is just awesome. My wife loved it, laughed at, laughed at it really, really well. It's, it's great. Um, Thank you guys so much for being on, on the show. And uh, yeah, after we get back from our uh, short break, we're going to be talking about some more stuff on this Wildcard Wednesday. So yeah, stay stay tuned, guys. We'll be right, right back. Grow Generation, where the pros go to grow. For all of your cultivation needs, Grow Generation has the right products, service, and staff to make your grow successful. Go to www.growgeneration.com, where the pros go to grow. You know, it's... It's almost like you magically just changed rooms and clothes and backgrounds and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let me tell you about a first world problem. Sure. Let's let's hear a first world world problem. So the world is excited today because it's Wednesday, which means you get a new episode of Loki, right? Right. Which which naturally means I'm excited for a new episode of Loki. Right. Except I got to preview a couple of episodes of Loki, so, so I don't, don't get a new, a new episode of Loki today. <laughs> that is that is about as first world as it could possibly get. I was um, so upset too last night <laughs> when I got home and I was like, I'm gonna stay up and wait for the new episode. Wait. God damn it. <laughs> got, yeah. got him. Got him. Got got him. Hey, I hope everyone enjoyed uh, the the interview that we we just had with uh, uh, Sh Sh God. I know I'm going to mess up her her name. Sharon. Sharon. Thank you. <laughs> and um, Nina. Nina. And they the the editing stuff. You're talking to t two film nerds right right here. Like you. We will talk about cinematography. I'll talk talk about lighting. I'll talk about, mm -hmm. about editing. I'll talk about. Uh, I already said cinematography. I was going to say angles and why d Dutch angles are okay in small small doses. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys got uh, a thing out of that. But what I really 
what I, what I really liked about that, that interview and the, the projects that they're working on is it kind of goes to something you and I have said several times, which is like progress has been made people like look at what's on, on TV. Like let's, mm-hmm. let's keep fighting of, of course, but let's not, let's not forget the, the progress that, that has uh, right. indeed and, been, and, been made. And no mean we're saying, you know, to be complacent or, oh, yeah, or no. be happy with what you have. No, not you know, at just, all. Just look, just look at what what is available now compared to hey, mm-hmm. just ten years ago, and, and be, be be excited that yeah things are changing yeah. and 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 work is being done. Yep, absolutely. I'll tell you what what to to shift away from that into something uh, that I found h- hilarious. Uh, Monday, you and I talked E three, yeah. We were like, eh, Starfield, cool. I think that's the name of it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, fall out in space. I'm I'm down with that. That that could hopefully tide tide me over to uh, uh, Bioshock Four, which will hopefully be a Russian U S moon base orbital yeah. base type type want. thing. Oh, we but, talked about it. Yeah, um, dude, Nintendo technically was part of E3, and they just slaughtered yesterday and won e3 on a tuesday with a nintendo direct (laughs) see what they did though they waited for everyone else to go and then said Mm -hmm. all right hold my beer yes yes uh mario party metroid uh sequel to breath of the wild legend legend of zelda breath of the wild taking us back into the skies i know skyward sword was not everyone's favorite game mostly due to to like the uh control mechanics with the wii um i heard some people enjoyed the hd remake where they could use the uh non-motion controllers more more efficiently i I, so i'm excited to see if they could do sky better this time you know what i'm saying uh the the mechanics how he's able to like go through the the ground and uh, it (laughs) It looked really, really, really cool. Metroid Dread returned to the t- 2D world. Everyone uh, knows or, you know, loves the Metroid Prime series. It, mm-hmm. it always felt like something it was it was destined to do. But Dread is going to, to complete the story that was began in uh, um, the original Nintendo uh, Entertainment System game, the NES, not NES. Motherfuckers, I'll punch someone no i won't i don't condone violence but i'll want to punch people that say snes or ness oh god anyways um and then mario party dude like like uh how long have we been waiting for mario party to get out of the fucking shared car and run around the board again like we used to on the n64 it's it's been like Mm -hmm. six seven games of of people asking for that but yeah i i can't think of a dud that that nintendo had uh but people have been ripping e3 apart all weekend and in into yesterday and monday um i don't know man what what do you what do you think do you think it's just the 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 the, uh pandemic and and next year will be uh more of the same or is it like you you and i thought on monday all of these independent studios and companies are just going to do their own own thing and e3 is gonna kind of be like a commentary thing in the in the future or maybe a trade show well you also i don't uh maybe you mentioned it and i just spaced out for a second but kazuya from tech and his journey oh, smash brothers i did not catch that that part that's cool yeah, so that was actually the first event of the of for for nintendo that mm. in the announcement kazuya mishima uh who I'm a fan of because Tekken is my favorite fighting game. I'm sure I do. There's only Um, one fighting game I'm okay okay at, and that's uh, uh, Smash. And I mean, just okay. I'm I'm horrific at Smash. Like, (laughs) like I I, I think it's stupid, not because of the concept, because I'm bad at it. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm petty like that with with it. Um, But Tekken. That's cool. Uh, but yeah, Why so Tekken? yeah, I love Tekken. Tekken Tag, bro. That was my shit back in the day. Because the arcade? Yeah, oh, yeah, dude. Beat that. I thought the boss was kind of weak. But whatever. <laughs> um, Yeah, dude. I, I really do think that it's just the fact that everyone's doing their own thing. 
And uh, the biggest thing about it, it's kind of like you see in Mythic Quest sometimes. Some of those hard deadlines sometimes just don't happen because they get behind. They uh, they're just not ready. It's taking longer than expected, uh, whatever. And E3 sets hard deadlines that sometimes mm-hmm. I think studios are finding out, you know what, fuck it, we're just not going to go. Mm-hmm. Or we're just not going to showcase certain things. And and I think that that's, what, that's what's happening. And, and then, so when you do your own event, you can push it back if you want. You can, you can uh, not do anything and then all of a sudden a week ahead of time. But boom, next Tuesday we're going to... Yeah. Uh, we're gonna do a big reveal, and you don't so, have to b- book uh space ahead of time if it's gonna be mostly digital yeah. or you're using your own uh boardroom uh uh for the pr- presentation or like Disney. I think they I think for Investors Day weren't they actually at the the volume? Weren't they using that? I think maybe. Anyways, um, you know, the studios have have access to to. Uh, uh, well, studios and and shit to to do all of this. Um, I had a I had a theory, uh, that it's a demon. Uh, no, anyways, uh, it's a Buffy the Vampire Slayer joke. Um, I had this I- idea. It would never happen in a m- million years, but I think it would be uh better, and it would increase um interest in in the tech side of things, like the the hardware side of things, as well well as cross pollinate with the uh software with your your ga- games and stuff what if the the organizers behind CES and E3 got together and created just the consumer electronics expo you you might have to do that because video games are a great way to um to showcase things like that mm-hmm. to you know oh here's this game but check it out on this hardware. Mm-hmm. Check out this, you know, this system. This these monitors, these accessories, et cetera, et cetera. Ex- and it exactly. and um, it's it's a it's a great blend of both worlds. Uh, I think that would be great, especially like yesterday. I was watching a feature on on Unreal Engine and how far they've they've come in in uh, in three D world mapping and things like that. It was just incredible what they could do. Yeah. Uh, just the no, way love- that. I love watching that tech demo on 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 the volume with with Unreal. So cool. Just just the way you're they're able to now really uh, be able to put characters and backgrounds without having to ne- not necessarily take so much space because mm-hmm. the the issue is that usually the way you would have to do it traditionally where you would build it is everything kind of stayed. Um, stayed its shape and 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 took up so much space that you could only put so much sometimes one character would could blow up your entire system mm-hmm. just just because of how complicated it was but now with 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 the way it works and, and the way it kind of almost uh, I, I know i'm saying it almost like in a very primitive way but like depixelizes and kind right. of like as you as you pull far back mm-hmm. just to save that space uh, that's just incredible and you also think about the way that it's being used in in cinema <clears throat> with like the Mandalorian and things like that, where you can change a background, you can change settings yeah. on command. Yeah. And, and it's uh, so the technology that that is that really, I would say, was born for video games is now is now has a quite, quite the wider application. So, yeah, I, I think putting it together, video games and tech that would be that'd be one hell of a show because yeah. maybe you even get extra people who weren't into exactly um into video games or vice versa exactly. now you get some gamers who have now talked to experts on the and, tech and side want to start and want yeah. to build and start their own build yep and and uh or they learn about uh better networking uh how how to set up a proper home a LAN and or Wi-Fi mesh system and and how to run k- cables and you know are you truly getting the speeds that you're you're paying for how to, how to ch- check all that my idea for for that like I said taking e- E3 and and CES and calling it something like the Consumer Electronics Ex- Expo um the the I would like to see like a a two day pro trade 
where it's the the studios are literally getting to, to walk around and uh, say Origin PC has some nice rig set up and uh, take two take two interactive has a game they're like you know what let's boot it up on on your system let's let's check it out run these you know so you have like a a, a day or two, two for press and and the pros and then you you open it up and there's where you're going to have uh uh new um uh hardware announcements as well as new new software and game announcements and you get a little bit more of, of the convention feel for the other two two days I, I see that as as a, I would I would want to do that on both. Like I would want my press badge for the first two days, and then I would mm. want my fan badge for the for the next two days. You know, it would. I don't. I just I don't see E three lasting very 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 much longer. They don't have yeah. the comic book artist alley type thing that San Diego or New York does to where. Marvel and D- DC can pull out and they can still survive, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, like Comic-Con has so much consumerism anyway mm-hmm. and exclusives. Just just Funko alone just oh, yeah. screws that convention. <laughs> and uh, and I say it, and I say that um, sarcastically because yeah. I can never fucking get the ones I want. Um, mainly because of my time, actually, more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Just Another first world problem. Can't stay in line for the toy. I, I can't. No. And, and even even people. with uh, with <laughs> and sometimes you get uh, now you get like an allocated time to go mm-hmm. ahead of time. But if I have if I have uh, an assignment, that, yep. that really sucks. Mission um, first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that's right. Uh, absolutely. Uh, exclusive second. Yeah. Um, and and then the other thing is, well, they, they should follow that convention path because like San Diego does that. A lot of their um, anyone showcasing things, they'll have on Wednesday, they'll have preview day. Mm-hmm. And not not I'm not talking about preview day, like when people actually get in. Right. Um, we, get there, er, we get there and, early on Wednesday yeah. and do the Amazon um, uh, stuff and, and do some of the other uh, immersions and, and things like that before it opens so that we can get them out of the way. So that would be good for, for something like a video game conference, because you don't, you don't want to be in the middle of like just so many people mm-hmm. you use. And, and then also you get no, no, I mean, you, you get more of the industry opinion with, mm-hmm. with other press and see what they think. And, and it's a little bit more intimate also. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you. I also do not think that an E3 would be is going to be viable uh, for much longer. It's going to need to merge with something or someone. Don't be surprised if it merges with the comic book convention. I think, That's or if they split it, and and they especially with San Diego, even though it's as big as it is, maybe it needs to intake some more like an extra video game. Maybe uh, section because right now, like when it comes to gaming, it's mm-hmm. all the way to the right. Yeah, all the way to the right. Like you almost got to go out, like out of your way, to uh, to get to the video New game. New York, section. I think it's down in the base basement, some somewhere. Goddamn, <laughs> <laughs> the Javits Center. They had no. the our army recruit recruiter guys there. Uh, and, yeah, that's the right spot right there. Yeah, and I was still recruiting in 2016 and so i went up and i bs'd with them for a little bit and just to see what their their pitch was at at a big convention like that and uh yeah you want to play call of duty for real boy yeah (laughs) that's kind of what what they were doing but you know (laughs) um yeah i i i could almost see them maybe even doing like e3 west and e3 east uh, where they kind of s- split it up, you know, you know, and and have some stuff at San Diego. I I know San Diego and uh, uh, New York are different companies. You, uh, you got SDCCI and then ReadPop, but um, uh, the the whole point is that E3 is is an individual, and they can make contracts however they want, yeah. as long as the other party's willing. And yeah. Nintendo. Well, if, you want, if you want to do it with with San Diego International, then you can do WonderCon and Comic Con. That that, too. that that works too. Yeah. So there's um, options. 
There, yeah, there's, there's, I don't, I don't know why we're not working for these people, man. Like we, we, we throw so many great ideas. We should be working for somebody at this point, but uh, I, I guess someone. we talk a little too much. Maybe yeah. that's the problem. Yeah, I, I've, I've o- o- always said that uh, I'll never, ever, ever be able to travel and visit so many of the wonderful historical places and even modern places in in China, uh, because of what I've said on uh, about their their government, but. I will also so also uh wait where were we going? We I just had something I was gonna I was gonna say I was gonna not be able to go go somewhere else and it was a j- joke and I got derailed by the reality of n- never being able to see the great great wall. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> Any, anyways, Kyle's brain, ladies and gentlemen. Kyle, Kyle's brain at work. Um, yeah, man. Uh, it was it was it was interesting. Um, oh, Sony, I will never get a job at so I could. Fix so I could make Sony so much money, but I've said fuck you, Sony, too many t- times. So I'll never work. I, I, <laughs> I, I've got I've got some love for them for some of the things they've done in the past. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the original Ghostbusters, the the, the PlayStation. Oh, dude. So let me tell you this, and uh, she's gonna be very upset. I told you this, mm-hmm. but we're gonna fix that very soon. My girlfriend has never watched either of the Ghostbusters films. <sighs> <clears throat> That's exactly the reaction I was expecting. <clears throat> I told her, I'm going to tell Kyle this in the morning, and he's going to die. <clears throat> and, and, <Not> and, <laughs> and so the um the reason what? why was, yeah. Uh, and it was because last night we were watching on how they they accomplished some of their stunts and how they accomplished some of their effects, which is actually really Yes. really um nifty if, if you think about when it was made mm-hmm. and the technology that was not available yes at one and... point slimer is literally a painted peanut going around this chandelier <laughs> yeah the, the they used uh for for specifically ghostbusters 2 during the courtroom scene where the where the two brothers are being mm-hmm. executed well supposedly executed the brothers yeah yeah uh the the way that they reflected uh, projections off of mylar from mm-hmm. puppets and then distorted them in order and that's nuts, man. It looks better than twenty sixteen ghosts. It looks so good <laughs> because it it looks very ghostly, mm-hmm. and then just the effects of them taking the attorney um, with by the legs and through the door mm-hmm. was was so crafty as well, and and uh, just overall just very very well done for its time yeah and so we we are going to fix that because please do. um you because she's also right. excited about <laughs> ghostbusters afterlife uh so yeah. uh but yeah i uh that, that's one of i was like you've never seen ghostbusters mm-hmm. and she's like no i was like all right I have to tell Kyle in the morning. I hope you know that. <laughs> there, there would have, there would have been a c- serious reconsideration of the relationship. <laughs> no, I've, joked, I've joked with my wife about a few, few movies. She had never, her parents had never even let shown her Bram Stoker's Dracula. I'm like, what? How have you never seen fucking Gary Oldman? Man, fucking, I no, no, sit down. And and be quiet, and we're we're watching. <laughs> See, but I can't I can't be I can't be that judgmental because yeah. there's a lot of movies that she's shown me that I should have watched. Yeah, <clears throat> like, I've I've Full Metal Jacket's one of them. Yeah, and and a few others that I was just like, wow, I don't know, I've never seen this. Yeah, so, it happens to to all all of us. You know what? Yeah, else? I mean, just sometimes there's just I mean, how many movies out there in the world? And oh, of God. course, we're gonna we're gonna miss quite a few. Too many. But uh, so we we. As we go, we get to, I, I guess the fun part of it though, when when your significant other hasn't seen a movie you love, is then you get to enjoy their yes. first time with yes. it. Yes. So in in a way, it's a kind of a blessing in disguise because then you get to um, enjoy something you really like, and and be very um, very awkward about making sure that they love it. You love it, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. You're loving this. Did you see this? Shh, 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 shh. Get off your phone. Yeah. Hey, wait, watch, hey, are you watching? Are you watching? <laughs> I, was like I, I need to rewind that so you can see it again. I don't yeah, think you appreciate it. Exactly. That. I like that. Uh, I, I don't do that, by the way. Uh, did you watch How, How I Met Your Mother? 
Yeah, yeah. You remember when he was showing uh 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 God, I can't remember her name and and that show, but she plays uh Elliot in Scrubs, Doctor Reed when he's when he's dating her, Sarah Chalk, and mm-hmm. he's showing her Star Wars for the first time, and there she eventually has to like send him to the room because he's doing all that stuff we were just joking about but yeah uh what's not a joke uh subscribing to our youtube channel it's a it's a uh, matter of of youtube life and death death. (laughs) youtube life life and death no please hit that red red please hit that red subscribe button hit the bell so you know when all the good stuff comes out uh uh, thank you to our sponsors. Uh, thank you so much, uh, la- ladies, again, for joining us and, and giving us a, a look at your job and the Emmy-nominated uh, uh, projects, Lupe and Genera- Generation. Um, definitely ch- check those out. Uh, even if you not necessarily think it's up your, your wheelhouse story-wise, the technical side is incredibly interesting so yes please please do uh g- give that a look and then uh subscribe to the po- podcast network wherever you get your podcast from marvel sh- shows loki thor's days will be, be out tomorrow we'll be talking about uh t- today's episode of loki and then uh, of course uh anime versal this week is the official beginning of the the midnight run the spicy anime may talk spicy. not the h word uh not yet uh <laughs> she's not ready uh then uh, what, what else do we got? Star Wars. There is a lot of Star, Star Wars stuff. I have an exclusive piece up um, uh, with comments from my Michael A. Stackpole uh, relating to uh, the re- re-release of Rogue Squadron by, by Lucasfilm, uh, the book, uh, later this year. And yeah, uh, of course, the we- website, lrmonline.com, every day, all your entertainment news, needs, and opinions. Manny, what, what else you got coming up? Tomorrow, I'll be sure to check in because despite my first world problems of not getting a new episode of Loki today, uh, I will check my privilege now and I will have a reaction tomorrow for Black Widow. There you go. So I got to check that out tonight. Uh, so uh, I will check in and see how much I liked it or disliked it. And I know that there's a couple people at LRM. If I dislike it, they would probably they're probably going to murder me. Well, um, we know who won't dislike it, and who's going to call it the greatest movie Marvel's <laughs> made yet. Because <laughs> uh, he yeah, does that I mean, every movie. <laughs> I will say though, it's hard not to like a movie with Florence Pug and Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, like yeah. because um, you can watch the movie and then all of a sudden go, "That was a great movie," and it's like, "What happened in the movie?" And you're like, "What?" Oh, yeah. Oh, we have also a couple more interviews for (laughs) Luca, including the voice actors of Luca and Antonio and the director producer for it. Thank you, Disney, for hooking me up with a couple of those interviews. And um, yeah, make sure to check that out also on Friday on exclusively on Disney Plus. So don't go to the theater trying to find that one because it's not going to be there. Uh, the Hitman's Bodyguard Part, the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard Part Two is also out in IMAX already today, and uh, that's also uh, should be checked out. I didn't even realize that that was a sequel, uh, which shows you how sometimes I am an uncultured twine. But <laughs> oink oink, it's okay. Uh, yeah, so all that and more, um, and then also of course tomorrow we have our live show. Yeah, should be fun. Should be we, fun. Yeah. You, by the way, you guys, we we make this up as we go along. We yeah, literally talk so about show notes five minutes before we start. Well, you know, so, sometimes there's a big big story that that'll hit, and we both know that's on on the table. Like but Batman not going down on Catwoman. Like Batman not getting his licks in, man. That's just that's sad. Right. That's just sad. I I'm so happy with that. Like that's what the that's what the the showrunners, the show creators, writers, and and whatnot wanted was well, jokes. Well, if like you, that. If, so if you think about it, the, what's really really great about it is that last year at this time mm-hmm. we we're all doom and gloom, right? Yes, very true. And it was, I mean, it's the year that we know that shall not be named. We shall maybe <laughs> go as far as doing that, but. All of a sudden, you know, like yesterday was a big day for California. Mm-hmm. The, the mask mandate got lifted. And what's and, and uh, the, what was the story the day before? One of the headlines on Twitter. Uh, DC doesn't want Batman to go down with Catwoman. I was like, <laughs> that's the story of the day. We, we are making progress back we to are our making progress. Indeed. Thank you guys so much. We will t- talk to you tomorrow. Bye.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.